Good morning. No, no. No, no, no. Yeah, we are back. It was a good visit. It was a tiring visit. I've already told uh, most of y'all about how we went on a hike. And I'll just go ahead and tell, as I told the class, make sure to ask if it's round trip or one way. That is very important, uh, especially if you're going up a mountain. You don't want to go up a mountain six miles and then have to go back down the mountain six miles. That is terrible. That's probably the most difficult physical thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, man. There was even one night where I woke up in the middle of the night with a Charlie horse. And she actually, I woke her up because it was like, it hurts. It hurts, man. So I hope that I don't, uh, while I'm up here preaching, I hope that doesn't happen. That would be kind of embarrassing. Just fall down with a Charlie horse anyway. But no, it, it was good. It was good. Um, I'm trying to remember. There, there is one more thing. We're supposed to have potluck next week, right? Because we're moving it to the second Sunday. Is that correct? Okay. All right. So next week will be potluck. I can say, I can announce that. Next week will be potluck. So. Uh, be here, you know, there will be good food. Drew, I'm sure Drew might have something, unless you're going to be gone. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Anyway, uh, before we get into the lesson, let's go ahead and pray. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into it. God, I am thankful to be back. Uh, it was a good visit, and we're thankful that we were able to visit family, that you blessed us with, uh, that you blessed me to be a part of Michaela's family, and I ask that you'd bless them, bless her mom and dad, her aunts and uncles, her cousins, uh, it's always good to see them, and we're, we're thankful to be here. We're thankful that you blessed us to be here, uh, to be a part of the ministry here at Mineral Springs. And Lord, it's been good. I ask that you continue to bless it, that through the ministry here, people would come to know you, and, and that through this ministry, we continue to serve people, that they at least, at least will feel the love that you have for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as a few weeks ago, we covered John chapter 7, verse 53 through John chapter 8. Am I getting a little feedback? I think I am. All right, so John chapter 7, thank you. John chapter 7, verse 53 through John chapter 8, verse 11. And we talked about how that text doesn't seem to be original to the gospel of John, for a number of reasons. One, because, well, it's not included in the earliest manuscripts that we have of the Gospel of John, thus it's unlikely that it is in the Gospel of John. Uh, and so we also talked about a little bit how we, we didn't read it, but from John chapter 7, verse 52 to John 8, verse 12, it flows a lot better. The text just flows naturally. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read from John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verse 40, then I'm going to read to John chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. I want you to listen. It's not on the slides, but if you listen, I think you're going to see it just flows more naturally. So John chapter 7, starting with verse 40, it says, When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? 
They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. John chapter 8, verse 12. And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Right? Just notice as we read through that text, it feels a lot more smooth as compared to this, uh, this addition from 753 to 8 uh, verse 11. Right? Because in verse 12, it says he spoke to them. To them, that's the Pharisees. But according to John chapter 7, verses 53 through 11, they left. Right? So how can he be speaking to them if they left? Right? And so that's just another reason why uh, John chapter 7, 53 through 8, verse 11, is, seems to not be original to the Gospel of John. But, as you remember from last week, I still preached it. Why? Because it has principles that we see elsewhere in Scripture, and there are some textual scholars who think that it could still be uh, an event that actually Happened. But aside from that, let's focus on John chapter 8, verses 12 through verse 20. So verse 12 again, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, we've heard this already in the Gospel of John, this idea of Jesus being the light. In John chapter 1, specifically, John, he kind of prefaces, he kind of uh, has an introduction to his gospel where he touches on this. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then in John chapter 3, we see this idea of light again, Jesus being light. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who, for everyone who does wicked things or practices wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does or practices what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Right. So in the beginning of the Gospel of John, he kind of begins with his conclusion in a way. He concludes that Jesus is this light. He tells it plainly. He begins sort of with his conclusion. It's kind of deductive. He begins with his main point, and then through the accounts and the Gospel of John, he illustrates that Jesus is indeed this light. Now, another thing before we get to the bulk of this sermon, if you've noticed, there's three themes. Three themes that you're going to see in the Gospel of John. We have, of course, light. Jesus being the light. We have Jesus being the bread. And we have Jesus being the water. So light, bread, and water. And if you notice, those are three things we absolutely have to have in order to live. Right? Without light, we're dead. Right? If the sun just magically just disappears, we're dead. Without bread, in other words, without food, we die. Without water, we die. I think there's an intentional... Uh, imagery that Jesus is having here, why he compares himself to light, bread, and water, and perhaps, perhaps Jesus is connecting to who he is as already demonstrated by God's relationship with the Israelites. Think about this. So God, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, he guided them by a pillar of fire, Exodus 13, the light. God provided manna in the wilderness, bread, Exodus 16. God provided water from a, wa a rock, Exodus 17. Light, bread, and water. 
And so I think there's a very intentional reason why we have these connections, why Jesus compares himself to light, bread, and water, because he's saying something about who he is. Just as God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness, Jesus being God provides the world life. He's light, he's bread, he is water. Now that's not the main point of the sermon, just some themes that I want you to see, some connections I want you to see as we go through the Gospel of John. But as we already read, verse 12, chapter 8, that really is the main point of this passage. The main focus of this passage, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now think about this. When you wake up in the middle of the night, say, you know, go to use a restroom or go get a snack, you're going to walk in darkness, obviously. And when you, when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's completely dark, like, what do you do? You start grabbing things to guide you to wherever you're going to. You start grabbing the wall. You start grabbing a dresser. You, start, you grab the bed to guide you where you are going because you can't see. Right? So when we walk in darkness, what do we do? We grab a hold of anything that seems like substance to guide us. Where we go is determined by what we blindly follow. So think about this. No wonder, no wonder people do leave all sorts of things in life because they're walking in darkness. No wonder people practice all kinds of evil because they're walking in darkness. We shouldn't be surprised that people do this. They're grabbing a hold of anything that seems like substance because they cannot see. I'm sure we can all think of a time in our life when that was the case for us. You're walking in darkness. You were just grabbing a hold of anything that seemed like substance. But when we dwell in the light, we'll see things as they are. Or what we once thought was substance to, to guide ourselves because we couldn't see, the big exposed as nothing. What we once thought was life will be exposed as death. What we once thought was good will be exposed as sin. Light exposes all. It exposes all people. It exposes all things. It exposes the world as it is. He's the light of the world. He shines his light upon all people. As John 1 verse 9 said, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This light gives light to everyone. We're either going to remain in that light or we'll flee from that light because we want to go back to what we thought was substance. And as Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 35, while you have the light, right, the light is among you. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Right? While you have the light, walk in it. Do not walk in darkness. Don't, don't just grab a hold of anything that seems like substance. Something that feels good, something that seems right. Walk in the light. Look at the picture painted in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. This picture painted of the, the new heaven, the, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, what we call heaven, right? Revelation 21, verses 22 through 27. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. 
And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They'll bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who practices or does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So in this picture of what we call heaven, what do we see, right? We see that light is radiating from God for all eternity. There's no darkness. Not a shadow is cast. And then what else? There's nothing unclean. There's no sin among God's people. Light cast it all out. Light does a few things. We've talked about this uh, several weeks ago in one sermon, but light purifies us. It casts out the darkness. Uh, You could say light makes us holy, holy. There's not a single uh, speck of darkness found in God's kingdom. Not a single uh, speck of sin, not not a single sin is found. We are perfected by his light. So walk in the light. Hold on to Jesus because he's the light and that light gives you true life. And then back in John chapter 8, the Pharisees respond to what Jesus says about him being the light of the world. They respond in verse 13. The Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Well, wait a minute. What about John chapter 1 verses 6 through 8? John chapter 1 verses 6 through 8, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Apparently John, John the Baptist, was bearing witness about Jesus, so apparently Jesus, he's not just bearing witness about himself. So what's going on here? Did the Pharisees forget? Right? What about John chapter 5? John chapter 5, verse 31. It says, Jesus says, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Skip down to verses 36 through 38. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, And you do not have his word abiding in in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. So Jesus, John the Baptist, bore witness about the light. Uh, The works that Jesus does bear witness to who he is, and God the Father himself bear witness about Jesus being his son. So what's going on here? Is this selective hearing? Have the Pharisees just forgotten? I think they just tend to ignore some things because they don't want to believe. They're not in the light. They walk in darkness. They don't see where they are going. Verse 14, Jesus continues. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. They don't know Jesus. Because they're in darkness. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. We know this, John chapter 3, verse 6. Right? If you're not born of the Spirit, that's just another way of saying you're not walking in the light. You're not going to know Jesus if, you're not, if you have not been born of the Spirit, if you have not been walking in the light. Jesus continues in verse 15. He says to them, You judge according to the flesh. 
I judge no one. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean you judge no one, right? What about John chapter 5, verse 22? John chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And verse 27, it says, And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean by saying, I don't judge anybody? You said that the Father has given you all judgment. Now, based on the context in John chapter 8, he says, You judge according to the flesh, I judge one. I don't think Jesus is saying that I don't judge at all. He doesn't judge like they do. The Pharisees, they judge by the flesh. Where the Pharisees see a sinner that's in need of damnation, Jesus sees a sinner that's in need of saving. There's a difference in how they judge. The Pharisees judge by the flesh, but Jesus does not. Verse 16, Jesus says, Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Now wait a minute. Are you just pulling our leg? Right? Because, again, John chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, did you not just say that the Father doesn't judge anybody, but he has given all judgment to the Son? You've got to keep in mind. You've got to keep in mind that their wills are not in conflict. Right? The Son's will is not in conflict with the Father's will. So, yes, the Father has given all judgment to the Son, but the judgment that the Son pronounces is not contrary to what the Father would approve of. The judgment that the Son gives is according to the Father's will. So I think that's what's going on here. I don't think Jesus is trying to confuse us or contradict himself. Verse 17, Jesus says to them, In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. Apparently they don't know the law as well as they claim to. Or they say, hey, you, you bear witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. But Jesus says, hey, look, I've got witnesses. I've got witnesses. I've got my Father. My Father bears witness. I bear witness. Even the works that I do bear witness. John the Baptist bears witness. So according to your own law, my witness is valid. Apparently they don't know their law as well as they claim. Verse 18, he continues, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Jesus bears witness. His Father bears witness. Now notice that Jesus draws attention to those two witnesses. He doesn't say, hey, look at all my followers. They bear witness about me. He doesn't say, hey, look at John. He bore witness about me. He points out his own witness and his father's witness. Why? Because those are the two witnesses that really matter. We don't validate him. I want you to understand that. Just because we believe in Jesus, just because we witness Jesus, that doesn't validate him. Jesus doesn't need our witness. Jesus is not dependent upon us witnessing for him. His witness and his Father's witness are more than enough to validate him as the Son of God, as Lord, as Savior. It's grace that we get to witness for him. We don't add anything to him. It is grace that we get to witness for him. It's grace that we're covered by his blood. It's grace that we can even be called Christian. It's grace that we can be saved because of what he has done. He doesn't need our witness. It's a blessing that we get to witness for him. Verse 19, the Pharisees respond. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. They're like, oh, okay, if your father is witnessing for you, then where is he? 
If that's a witness, why can't we hear from him? Of course, Jesus says, if you knew me, if you knew me, if you walked in the light, if you weren't in darkness, you would know my Father. These Pharisees, they're in darkness. They don't realize that Jesus is who he claims to be because they are in darkness. And finally, take note of where this all occurs. Verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So speaking in the temple, right? speaking in the temple to the people that hate him, the people that revile him, the people that want him dead, the people that want him arrested, right? those people, he's speaking to them. And as we already covered a few weeks ago, he, they, they can't lay a finger on him. They can't touch him. They can't arrest him. They can't crucify him apart from what he wills. They can't do anything. His time had not yet come. If you could go to the next slide, one thing that's also important about this verse, this context, it's kind of hard to see. But in the temple, if this little pointer will work. Don't, put, don't point in my eye. No, it's not working. That's okay. If you can see on that map, in the, that little square, that, that courtyard, you can see four pillars, right? You can see four pillars that come up that are really tall. Those are lamps that are in what was called the, uh, the court of women. That's where the women were allowed to go into the temple. And then there's also the treasury that were along the side of that court where they would uh, tithe. They would bring what they had to offer. And so you have these four tall lamps that would illuminate this court. And so somewhere maybe along the side, this is where Jesus is teaching. So I think it's why it's very intentional in verse 20. It says these words he spoke in the treasury. Sometimes when, or a lot of times, I think all the time when Scripture mentions a location, it's very, very intentional. Right, so as Jesus is teaching, maybe along the side, looking out upon these lamps here that are illuminating the temple, he's telling them, I'm the light of the world. Do you see the relevance of that? As they look about these lamps that just light up the temple, Jesus is telling them, I'm the light of the whole world. These lamps don't compare to what I am. I'm the light of the world. So the sermon's pretty straightforward. If we walk in the light, we're going to see. If we walk in the light, we're going to see. We're going to know where Jesus is. We're going to know where he's from. We're not going to judge according to the flesh as the Pharisees do. They're walking in darkness, so they judge according to the flesh. If we walk in the light, we're going to know his witness is true. If we walk in the light, we're going to know God the Father. And without dwelling in the light, We're dead in darkness. Without the light, we have no life. And so it's pretty straightforward. You might ask, well, uh, how do I walk in the light then? (laughs) It's not really complicated. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Be immersed in baptism. Put him on in baptism. Put your faith in him through baptism. Clothe yourself in Christ. Trust in the light. Don't walk in darkness. You can as we stand and sing.